When it seems like our lives are just an interconnected string of mess-ups, Pastor Ray Bentley says there's good news. There is always more grace for the next step of your spiritual walk or journey. Even when we blow it, even when we sin, even when we fail, there is still a stream of love, grace, and tenderness, and forgiveness, and mercy, and affection toward us. Spread the news of His people coming down before the King. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Church isn't a place where perfect people come together to celebrate their wholesomeness. No, it's where broken, fallible people come for comfort, restoration, and healing. Today, Pastor Ray shows us what rich encouragement it brings to know that God gives more grace. Let's listen. We're going to look at uh, James chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. James writes, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. And therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Here James is declaring that most of the problems of man come from simple greed and selfishness. And when you think about it, this has been the root problem of mankind from the beginning. In every generation, in every society, in every kind of culture, even in every form politically or economically, eventually greed finds its way in and ruins everything. It it ruins the, the greatest and the best of empires and men. Uh, I put a few scriptures here, Luke chapter 8, verse 14, Jesus is telling a parable, but let's read this scripture, Luke 8, 14, out loud together. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. In other words, Jesus says that there are there's some, you know, the seed falls and there's some that just, you know, they get very emotional in the beginning spiritually. Oh, they're responding and their hearts are touched. Good thing. But then they let it lay follow. They never grow. The, the roots never take and they don't ever develop any fruit. And others let the cares and the pleasures of the world choke out the spiritual life that is within them. 
Titus chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Let's read this scripture out loud. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, and he goes on to explain. He's saying the same thing. He goes, when we were in the world, we were all selfish, living for ourselves. Now that we've come into the body of Christ, and we admit we're not perfect yet. We have a long way, and we'll never arrive at perfection here. But we have to admit that when there is fighting and struggle for control, that is a manifestation of a selfish or a prideful heart, and that we need to humble ourselves before God. As he will later say, God resists the proud. And he's talking about believers who have pride, not unbelievers. This is all about the body of Christ. Let me read to you James 4 verses 1 and 2 out of the New Living Translation, just to get a little different flavor on it. He says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it the whole army of evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous for what others have, and you can't possess it, so you fight and quarrel to take it away from them. And yet the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. You could go to the Lord and ask him. But he goes, it's manifesting this selfishness and this pride and this desire to be in control. He's saying, if you are friends with the world, and apparently there was worldliness within the hearts of those who were fighting within the church. And James goes, don't you realize, you can't be right with God and also be popular, as it were, in the world. You cannot walk a, a life filled with heaven and then be walking compromised with the pleasures of the flesh and of this world. He goes, in fact, if you do, God is at war with you or, or God is, is your enemy. And he's again talking about as a believer. God will stand in front of you. He will block your path, not because he doesn't love you, but quite to the contrary, because he loves you so much, he doesn't want you to be destroyed or he doesn't want you to be wiped out. And, and what God is saying is, that, you know, hey, wake up, come back to the living God and to the true source of life. And then James adds, so, okay, so there's things that you want and you desire, fine. Ask your father in heaven. You have not because you ask not. Why don't you pray? and go to him and bring your needs to the Lord. If we would just ask the Lord about them, he will bless us. And, and listen, if it's right, God will give it to you. If it's not right, God will not give it to you because he doesn't want to hurt you. There are many things that I have prayed for passionately, persistently, and that God did not answer my prayer and thank the Lord he did not because my prayer was wrong or it was amiss. I was asking for something selfishly for myself and it wasn't good for me. Well now, from a perspective many years later, I look back and go, wow, thank you God that you didn't answer those prayers. There is a certain kind of teaching right now, you know, generally, and, I, and I'm generalizing, I realize. I have no specific individual in mind, but let's just call it the health, wealth, prosperity gospel. 
And basically the idea that, that talks about faith and prayer is that by using these as tools, God will give you what you want. But what I have learned as you read through the whole Bible and you compare scripture with scripture and receive the whole counsel of God is that prayer and faith is not about me getting my will done. Prayer is about God's will being done. Prayer is about me discovering what God's will is and aligning myself with his mind, his heart, what he has in mind. I love what my uh, pastor Chuck Smith uh, says, and I, this is something that stuck with me and has always been in there. He says, what if God comes to you one night and he says, all right, son, I love you, and I love you so much, ask anything and I will give it to you. And immediately, you know, something pops in your mind or, and used to, when you were young, you would say, oh, I want this, you know? He says, I, I don't do that, not anymore. He goes, I have learned that whatever I ask is either amiss or way smaller than God my father had in mind. So now when the father comes and says, ask son, I love you, I wanna spoil you, I wanna bless you, ask whatever you want. He says, I turn it around. And I say, father, what do you have in mind? And he goes, I have found over and over and over again that God, our father's heart toward us and his plans are so much bigger and so much greater than anything we might've had in mind. Trust him, amen? Just trust in the Lord. Now look with me in verse three. He says, now you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So the question I ask is our pleasures or God's pleasures? There's only one that lasts. Do you think that James is saying that Christians are not to desire pleasure? Answer, no. I believe that God's will is to bring more pleasure into our lives than you could ever dream, imagine, hope, or conceive of. He desires for us to experience pleasure, spirit, soul, and body. And the truth of the matter is, God is the author of all true pleasure. He has the original, he has the source. There's a, uh, a book that was written by C.S. Lewis uh, a number of years ago called Screwtape Letters. How many of you have heard of that book? If you don't know what that is, C.S. Lewis is a very brilliant guy, and, and I love his mind and the way he communicates. He's extremely smart but yet he can communicate in a way that I can understand. You know how there's some smart people, they talk to you and you know they're like up here, but you have no idea what they're talking about. Then there's another kind of smart guy that you know is way smarter than you, but he brings it down so you know what he's actually saying. That's C.S. Lewis. And he wrote this book called Screwtape Letters and it's, the premise is of a demon, a fallen angel demon who has got his little protege demon buddy and I think, I have a weird sense of humor. It was a, to me, a comedy. I was laughing through the whole book. But anyway, so this, this older demon is training the young demon how you go and try to trick uh, Christians and tempt them and all the rest. And in one of his comments, he makes a very revealing comment. C.S. Lewis nails it. Here's what the older guy is saying to the younger protege. He says, now, never forget, 
that when we are dealing with any pleasure in its healthy and normal and satisfying form, we are, in a sense, on the enemy's ground. He's talking about God. I know we have won many a soul through pleasure, but all the same, it is his invention, not ours. He made the pleasures. All our research so far has not enabled us to produce even one original pleasure. All we can do is to encourage the humans to take the pleasures which our enemy has produced at times or in ways or in degrees which he has forbidden. Hence, we always try to work away from the natural condition of any pleasure to that in which it is least natural. An ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure is the formula. And that's, you know, he, he nails it. Satan and all the demons of hell have never created one original pleasure. All they can do, and essentially what all sin is, is merely the twisting of the original divine pleasure that was given and created by God and does not diminish but actually grows and increases on into eternity. So in essence, what God is saying through James and his word is, why do you keep going for the twistings and the perversions that don't last and that diminish? Go to the source, go to the original pleasure that God our Father in heaven has himself created. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching. Our family loved Pastor Ray. He was witty, kind, and demonstrated completely what it was like to have a deep relationship with God. We are grateful that our family was able to come together at Maranatha. Our lives will forever be changed because of Ray's powerful messages. We rejoice because we know Ray is in heaven. Messages like that continue to be such a great encouragement to all of us at Maranatha Radio and the whole Bentley family. If you'd like to send a message, just email us, ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. What does the Bible say about pleasure? I just put some of my favorite scriptures here. I love Psalm 37, verse four. Let's read this scripture out loud. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Is that a great scripture? Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the very desires of your heart. Psalm 34, verse eight, let's read this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. That word blessed means, oh, how happy. Oh, taste and see, that's an experience. That the Lord is good, oh, how happy is the man who trusts in him. Psalm 16, let's read that. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So to immerse ourselves in God will open the windows of eternal heaven and heavenly pleasure into your soul right here on earth, let alone the glory and joy that we shall enjoy in the future. There's a, this scripture I put in here from the ancient prophet uh, Jeremiah who was talking to the people of Israel who after many, many decades had rebelled against God 
Jeremiah lived in a time where it would be very grievous to, uh, uh, to be Jewish and in the land of Israel, even in the holy city of Jerusalem and find the, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob bowing down to idols of stone and wood and, and they thought because, oh, the gods of the Canaanites have all this immorality and pleasures and so if we worship them, then we get to do all of these things. But you know what, here's what happened. It started off with the pleasures but the more selfish those pleasures became, the more violent the society became in order to get those pleasures. And the more violent, the more the family broke down and the more the family broke down, the government broke down and finally the government wasn't even able to protect its citizens and then came the Babylonians and they began to lose ultimately everything. Jeremiah 2.13 says, for my people, this is God speaking, prophetically through Jeremiah, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Water, if it is a, a type of that life-giving pleasure from God, spiritual life, God is saying, I'm the fountain of life. I'm the fountain of the rivers of living water and love and joy and peace. They rejected me. Instead, they carved out cisterns. Now, a cistern is a big, giant cavern dug out of a, uh, out of a rock where they would, in those dry, arid places, trap the rainwater and fill up the cistern so they could make it through the arid and desert and, and uh, summer months. But if you would have a crack in the cistern, you spent who knows how many hours and, and months carving this big uh, cistern, if it had a crack in it, all the water goes out the first time it rains and you realize all that work was for nothing. God said, that's what it's like to turn your back on me, the fountain of living waters, and jump into the world for their twisted and temporary and diminishing return pleasures rather than the source of all true pleasure, which is me. They've rejected me and that's sad. So James is now again talking to believers, come back to the Lord, come back to the source. The one who saved you radically and that you still trust in can also radically sanctify you. He can satisfy you. The chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Now let's close with verses four through six. He says adulterers and adulteresses now he's speaking here metaphorically. He's not talking about uh, sexual sin, although in other places in the Bible it does address those sins. Here he's talking about when you begin to love something or anything other than the Lord, it's a form of spiritual adultery to God in your heart. And this is what the Old Testament prophets were constantly accusing Israel of adultery when they began to worship other gods. So James is talking again to believers. He says, you adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or... Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? The Holy Spirit within you yearns jealously. Let me tell you something about our Father and the, the Holy Spirit that is within us. The love that he has is 
The Bible uses words like it is fervent, it is zealous, it is jealous. Yes, God's love jealous. You know what that means? God says he gets jealous of any other false lover, any other idol. He'll be your enemy for your own good. And again, he's talking as your son and, and daughter, as a believer. He'll stand between you and that false idol to make your life miserable. Not because he doesn't love you, but because he does. And he knows that that idol will rip your heart out and destroy you. And therefore he will fight with it. And he will also resist you because he loves you. How awesome it is to know that this holy God who transcends the universe is personally, passionately, jealously longing for my affection. And he will never rest until he has all of it, till he has every ounce of love that I have to offer him because that's the way that he loves you and the way that he loves me. I love verse six and we'll close with this, but he gives more grace. And therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's where James is headed. He says, so humble yourselves. This is not saving grace. We've already had that. No, this is more grace to one who is already a believer. There is always more grace for the next step of your spiritual walk or journey. No matter where you are this morning, there's more grace for you. You have not exhausted the grace of God. Even when we blow it, even when we sin, even when we fail, there is still a stream of love and grace and tenderness and forgiveness and mercy and affection toward us. No wonder Hebrews says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As that beautiful song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me all the way home. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, we just thank you for the grace of God that never, never ceases, never stops, never ends. And Father, I just pray for any today that are at the end of their rope, they're at the end of their wits, they're at the end of their patience, they're at the end of themselves, tired and weary and broken and frustrated. Lord, may we be humble enough to hear the whisper of the Spirit saying, come to me. Let me wrap my arms around you and love you and give you more grace. Lord, may we Feel that gentle breeze of the Holy Spirit upon our face. May we be sweetly renewed and refreshed and revived. May we once again, Lord, turn our face to the Lord. May we trust in you. May we receive more grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Great encouragement today from Pastor Ray Bentley and our study through the book of James here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, He Gives More Grace. If you missed any part of today's presentation, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. 
When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and Devo, three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click about and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his book called As the Days of Noah, a prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full series called The Elijah Chronicles. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of James. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.